Hello and welcome to He's Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And we're talking about Hustlers today. A crime drama mm. filled with women in which men are nothing more than uh, wallets there to be opened. They're fleeced, they're there to be fleeced. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's written and directed by uh, Lorene Shafaria or Scafaria. That's a very that was a very kind of uh, male perspective of the opening of the podcast. Well, I think um, uh, <laughs> no, well, I agree. I mean, but I, I think um, he said it's a that's, film about that's kind female of... empowerment. Well, yeah. I think that's kind of the, that's, that's sort of the hook, isn't it? Like, um, like it's really struck me throughout as um, like a relative to like The Wolf of Wall Street and Goodfellas and these very very male films. Yes, um, and it is a, a kind of a female counterpart to them. Yes, and um, and it, and you know when you think about the men in it, they are, as you say, they're to be fleeced. Well, they show up as customers and they show up as, co- as cops. I mean, but it's a film about women and with women at the center. And the opening lines of dialogue are, are about control. Constance Wu's character, who's the main character in it, says, this is a story about control. Mm. You, f- you find out soon she's talking to uh, a journalist. So that's kind of her talking to the journalist. But um, that's how you set up the film. It's about taking control, these women taking control. Yes, of a situation uh, that's been created by irresponsible men. right? So a big part of this... Um, uh, uh, story of this narrative is the crash of 2008 mm-hmm. in which you're repeatedly told no one was held to account right and so these men that they're facing are these men that caused you know uh, 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 the Wall Street crash and also they are men who have fleeced them right so kind of there's an important anecdote in which you know this guy you know, asks for something, offering $300, and then, you know, after humiliating herself to do it, she finds out that the guy stiffed her, and instead of leaving $300, he's left 320s. Yeah. So, yeah. Mind you, that's later on into the film that happens. That's when they degrade. That's after the crash, actually. um, That's after the crash, and and the Russians come in and... Okay, but, you know, kind of... There is a sense, actually, beforehand, what the film, I think, really sets up beforehand, explicitly through dialogue, is that... The, the relationship between uh, these dancers, uh, strippers, and um, the male customers is of a business transaction. When yes. they go and when they go and have private dancers, it's a business transaction. Um, I mean, it's, it's something to be slightly suspicious of, perhaps, because it's still kind of sex work, so you may think maybe there's an element of uh, coercion or kind of... But, but that's not really how it's portrayed. I think that's what well, we're trying to get across. No, I think there's an element of that. I think actually you see you know, male exploitation of women at every level. Mm. So even before that, you're told very clearly, you're shown, you know, the financing of these kind of transactions that are a kind of a form of sex, yeah, uh, uh, um, legal for money. Yeah, these dances are sexual. The whole point is to get these men aroused and to kind of get money out of them. And the fact is that these women who are doing all the work end up getting a little, a very small percentage of it. The house gets half, mm. then they have to tip this person and that person and that person. Then kind of you're shown how very little is left for them. And that's true. That's very important right at the uh. start. So so Constance Weir is this new girl. Uh, she plays uh, Dorothy slash Destiny. She has a, a couple of names throughout the film. Mm. 
Um, and she's a new girl at this strip joint. She has uh, uh, worked in different places before, but she's new here. Um, and on like her first night, she gets paid. She doesn't get paid the full amount because the guy who you know, runs the place says, you didn't turn up at five, you turn up late. So it takes like $30 off her. Then another guy won't even let her out of the room without taking his cut of $20. So yeah. she ends up with less than uh, That's the right. full amount. So, um, so I think this is very much a film about taking control. Uh, and, uh, you know, certainly, uh, um, Destiny's biggest fear, her nightmare is being in the back of a car, you know, driving at a high speed with no one at the wheel. Right. So it is kind of like a metaphor for this thing of being out of control, really, of being kind of dependent on other things that let you down and that kind of put your life in danger. So, um, but I don't want to get to that describing before indicating, you know, how much fun this film is, okay. right? Kind of, you know, that it is, I think it's, it's going to be one of those zeitgeist films. It was very interesting that the audience was almost all women, right? Um, and quite and, full as well. And quite full and very responsive to everything that was happening on screen, right? Which is really kind of a woman's point of view on this. And it has kind of an extraordinary kind of charismatic star performance from Jennifer Lawrence, who gets like a fantastic... Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer, no, Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> Very who different. gets a fantastic star entrance in the middle of it. So, you know, the film already sets it up as like, you know, so, so it's criminal what they're doing, but it's justified. And also, you know, it's, it's kind of seen as gritty, but gritty the way that Joan Crawford would do it or something, right? You know, uh, uh, Jennifer Lopez looks fantastic. She dances fantastically. She moves fantastically, right? And she's kind of given this hustler, but also, you know, big mama sweet kind of toughness. Yeah, mm. it's a real kind of star role, huge star role filled by a huge star, really. So so it has all of those, the film offers all of those pleasures. Um now you can begin with the plot description. <laughs> so, so as I said, this, uh, this Destiny slash Dorothy joins the strip club and she meets Jennifer Lopez's character uh, who is called Ramona, mm. Ramona Vega. And she is, as you say, this kind of big mama character. Mm. And this is pre-Wall Street crash. It's 2007. You get the dates come up on screen. And that's kind of very important because what's set up at the start is that there is money flowing all over the place. Yes. You get So this dance that... Ramona does, which is her entrance, as you say, a star, real star entrance, mm -hmm. where she's just sexy as hell, and she's in control of all, all these guys, and they are just flinging money onto the stage, and she, she's swimming in money, and that's yeah. kind of the point of it. I mean, I think, actually, despite the fact it's directed by a woman, and there's kind of a, there is a, a there's such a female-centric sort of perspective going on the whole thing, that scene, actually, up until about, until, until about halfway through that scene, I felt, this is a real male gaze still. This is like trying to, this is a, this is a, a scene that is still tit trying to titillate guys in a way. And I kind of felt... Because it felt a little bit like Magic Mike. Mm. You know how... And, yeah, I remember going to see Magic Mike and, I mean, the, the, the cinema was filled with screaming women mm. who were there to see these, these guys strip. Mm. And I kind of felt like, like, this is the audience that's come to see this and this isn't quite what they sh should be being given. Well, actually, um, I think that that's what's amazing about the film, that it's actually kind of looking at women. It's women looking at women displaying their bodies, right? But it's it's kind of, it's not really for a male gaze. It's kind of, you know, these women's bodies are being presented to other women, you know, as something that, um, you know, goes along with a whole other set of characteristics that make the combination empowering, 
Right. So, so they're not just the objects of the gaze, and actually. Well, no, but I that I just felt at that point in that scene that that's what I felt, and so it did feel just like it didn't quite fit with what uh, what the rest of the film was at that mm. point. But halfway through that scene, really, the focus very much becomes on the money that's on the stage and mm. Jennifer Lopez's relationship to the money that's on the stage, and that she and this sense of centrality to the room, control, and she's like a magnet mm. for all these dollar bills. Mm. Yeah. You know, much more than a dollar bills, mm. um, uh, and yes, Ramona takes um, uh, destiny kind of under her wing. I mean, actually, almost well, quite asks. literally, up on the roof, she's got this great big fur coat on, yeah. and she, she she takes destiny under it yeah, in this sort wrapped. of Cruella de Vil sort of. Well, not Cruella de Vil because actually, well, like a Svengali thing. No, like a big mama thing because you know destiny's cold, and she she asks her, "Why don't you get under my big fur yeah, coat?" Yeah. You know, so it's not a Cruella de Vil thing. Well, I but there's something vaguely threatening about it. I mean, I think, I, I, I don't know about you, I could tell right away this, like, she's kind of not exactly, not perfectly good news. Oh, uh, no, I didn't feel that at all. And in fact, I, I don't think it turned out that way at all. You know, I mean, kind of, you know, Destiny is there for the same reasons that Ramona is. They both need money. And actually, I think what the film shows is how, you know, entrepreneurial they are. They're just like, in some ways, those, you know, Wall Street men. Really, um, so I didn't feel I didn't feel it was a Cruella de Vil moment. I thought it was a Big Mama moment. Cruella de Vil is is not exactly the right metaphor, but there's still there's something there's something kind of engulfing about that big fur coat, like it's like it's alive. Yes, well, it's warming and you know it's potent. It's kind of it's a wonderful moment, but um, I don't interpret it that way. The uh, the Wall Street crash occurs, and all of a sudden, all these Wall Street guys who they've been. Um, they've been paying for their dance and stuff. It's all been kind of legal. They've been fleecing the country. They've been fleecing the country, but the, but the, but the girls have not been fleecing the guys. That's right. Um, and but they stop coming to the clubs now. Yes. Um, but it's clear they still have money, and there's money to be uh, sort of siphoned out of them if they can figure out how. Well, the whole thing also is that everything changes. So after two thousand eight, you know, obviously the country's going through a recession, and you see bits of that, right? Like them trying to find other types of work. But on the other hand, there's also a big influx of Eastern European prostitutes that, you know, uh, are willing to do anything in the club, which... Yeah, so know. they'll give a blowjob for $300. is kind of very flatly stated. And and sex is not saying that's that's just not part of the... That's not what they do at the club, not until now. Yes, that's right. Um, and that's when uh, uh, Destiny is coerced and, and actually conned into it by the guy who pretends to leave her three... Uh, 300 bills and leaves the 320s yeah um, and so what ultimately ends up happening is they move from what they've been doing that was legal into a little bit of dishonesty into full on crime yes. taking these guys out drugging them and rinsing their corporate cards and their personal accounts for as much as they can and they become so successful that they bring partners in <laughs> and, and that's when things begin to fall apart because the people that they bring in are kind of slightly drug addicts and unreliable and yeah and so on and then they get greedy and Ramona begins to take all the money and so you know they can't go back to the people they've created the safe space of people they once knew at the club that they can fleece and they burn through them mm. so you know they then go to seek strangers which you know present a whole other set of problems right you know, they might be violent, they might have allergies, like, yeah, so the, the whole kind of scheme becomes a lot more uh, dangerous. dangerous. Uh, and that's how the film progresses. kind of progresses, yes. Overall, uh, overarching this entire thing is this um, 
framing device of a 2015 interview yes. that uh, Destiny is giving to um, a journalist called Elizabeth, played by Julia Stiles. Yes, it was wonderful to see Julia Stiles looking so mature. You know, she's got a real gravitas. And at the same time, she's um, she's very appealing in this kind of... So, so she, she plays kind of dour in this film. She's all, like, professional and kind of... You're not meant to look at her entirely sympathetically because she's clearly of a higher class and, you know, she's interviewing this woman. She's being slightly judgmental about it all, you mm. can tell. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, she's quite wonderful in it, actually. Yeah. And there's also a feeling that she... Or suggestion that she's playing both sides. So, that, so there's this thing about how Ramona and Destiny sort of split up, or how split up, but, you know, you're kind of discovering the relationship between them. Um, but uh, Julia Starr's character has already, it turns out, has already spoken to Ramona. And that kind of changes Destiny's opinion of her. And that's about the point she kicks her out, I think, yes. of, the, of, of, of her house and stops the interview, which is quite a striking scene. Mm. Well, the use of sound in one or two points is really, really, it's really clever. So she, she uh, Destiny at that point leans forward and turns off the dictaphone and the sound of the film cuts out completely. And it's only when Elizabeth is throwing out the house and the door slams the sound returns. So you haven't been, you can't hear any of that. It's off the record, mm. which I think is great. You know, uh, um, the suggestion of that comes just before the first suggestion of that, where uh, they talk about this this guy Doug, and obviously they're saying his surname, but it's beeped. You know, so yeah. it's it's the on the record interview that you're hearing, and if you're not allowed to say the surname in the interview, we can't hear it either. And then a little bit later, when you see the sting operation, the police have got the cokehead member of the group and they're using her for information so they, they she's wearing a wire all the audio in that scene is as though it comes from you know it's what mm. the police are hearing mm. so it's kind of slightly muffled sort of if someone's not that close they're very very quiet that sort mm. of thing which is a really clever little device mm. I liked a lot do you think it was well directed? Mostly, I think this. I, uh, I'm not. I wasn't hugely keen on the look of some of it. I mean, it starts off with this with this long take, starting off in the dressing room of the club, mm. and then following the girls out as they all kind of parade on the stage and come off and go around. And it's, it's a. It, and it's. I suppose. I think it's supposed. I think it's supposed to be one of those long takes. That's quite impressive. But because it's this tracking shot on on the back of um, Destiny's head and goes around and follows her from the front, it's. It's not. That visually impressive, really. I didn't mm. think, and so there, there are times when I don't think it's all that visually impressive, but I think the sense of tone that's created throughout, maintained, and the use of music, and there's a, there's a, and the tempo yes. to it is really good. It's got very good comic timing visually. It's got a very good rhythm. Mm. Yeah, like kind of things hit, and they hit visually. Like there are some things, you know, like little gestures that uh, Jennifer Lopez does with her hand and the money that you just think are like a punchline to a joke, right? Or mm. kind of, yeah, like the film is very attuned to, to all of that. Um, and yeah. there are jokes such as the one where they're cooking cooking the drugs yes. in the kitchen and they try some and everything just stops and you see them on the floor and it's a really great little, and it's a joke of timing and yes, visual Yes, a great humor. visual joke, yeah. yeah uh, which is great. Um, and then also the film's kind of capable of, of, of making it more dramatic. So when you end up in that in the dream scenes, you, you see the dream of uh, sitting in the back seat of the car, no one driving, going down the street. That's, that's you know, it's kind of sh- quite shocking. Yes. And, um, and, quite, and quite scary just for a moment. Um, I think for the most part, it is really well directed. I think so too. Uh, you know, I kind of, I find it impressive. And um, 
I suppose at the center of this film is really Jennifer Lopez, even though you know she gets second bills, yeah, mm-hmm. and she, and she's not the lead, right? Like it's very interesting because you know uh, you you see everything is told through Destiny's point of view. That's kind of yeah, you know, uh, she's really kind of you know, it's it's her eyes and her experience and her telling that you see Ramona. Uh, uh, through really but you know Jennifer Lopez is the the heart of the film really and kind of you know uh, um, and it's very interesting to me to to have her kind of um, you know just be so great having been a star now for so long I mean she's basically been a star for over 20 years now right and it's a very interesting career you know because for me you know, I, I'm not quite sure if I'm correct in this, but, you know, she's the first Latina Hollywood star. Other people will say, oh, Cameron Diaz, you know, was also, her father was Cuban or whatever. Mm-hmm. But actually, Cameron Diaz did not embody, you know, yeah. kind of Puerto Rican or Lat- Latino or Hispanic, right? That's not part of her star persona. And, you know, there were people of um, other generations who were very famous and, uh, who starred in films like Rita Moreno, but she was not a box office star. So actually, you know, Jennifer Lopez is a very significant cultural figure uh, in in America. And yet she's somebody who in film, with rare exceptions, has always seemed mannered and closed off, you know? So if I think of like her biggest hits, like, you know, The Wedding uh, Planner or Made in Manhattan, right? There's something like, yeah, she's not an emotionally available person in those films. She's mm-hmm. somebody who's very styled, you know, who often plays, you know, a Puerto Rican or a Latina or a Hispanic, usually in a working or underclass job, right, who kind of makes good in some way. Um, but I, I'm very interested by her career because it's a career that's made up of very few hits. Yeah, I'm looking through her filmography and kind of, you know, when she came to my, when she first came to my attention was on Money Train, which was basically the leading lady, right? But that was kind of like generic, you know, and um, she appeared to affect in Blood and Wine, but it was like Selena uh, uh, playing the Mexican star that kind of first really garnered great attention. And it was a success. And then, of course, Out of Sight mm-hmm. uh, for Soderbergh, which is really great, yeah? Um, but that was a, a kind of an indie hit, yeah. That was not mm-hmm. a kind of, you know. But uh, and then, kind of the you know the rest of her successes basically is the wedding planner, a made in Manhattan, uh, Geekly and Jersey Girl were like you know some of the biggest flops of the era. Then I think her last big hit really was Monster in Law in two thousand and five with Jane Fonda, right. So basically, she hasn't had a hit at the cinema in like over a decade. Yeah. Uh, so, so this is kind of like a big kind of cinematic comeback and kind of and very meaningful, right? Because uh, she's also of a certain age now. How old is she? Um, I must say, I always kind of thought of her uh, as a pop star more so than a film star. That was always the way she kind of came across to me. And mind you, I listen to her music more than I watched her movies she was a she was one of the top film stars of the of the 90s and and 2000s 
you know, uh, earning those, you know, big uh, uh, fees, yeah, and having films built entirely around her. So, mm. you know, kind of... Um, yeah, certainly in the rom-com era when she was doing Made in Manhattan. You know, that's right. And, um, and The Wedding Planner. I mean, those films are built around mm. her. Uh, so And so is Monster-in-Law. And in fact, Jane Fonda tells a story because Monster-in-Law was, you know, Jane Fonda's comeback. And she says, well, you know, I wanted this role because Jennifer Lopez is in it and everybody's going to go to see Jennifer Lopez <laughs> and then they're going to see me, kind of, and I've got the best part, right, is mm-hmm. what she says. So, you know, she was a huge film star uh, of the era. Uh, and, you know, so this is a return, uh, which is interesting. She get, And as I said, she gets a fantastic star entrance uh, in the film. Um but I also think the film is very interesting as another commentary on the state, you know, of, of, of America. So basically, you know, the film says very explicitly, you know, that America is just like a strip club, right? It's like, you know, it's all about transactions. It's sleazy, you know, it's kind of motivated by sex and money and drugs and illegal money and scams. And yeah, mm. the film tells you that explicitly. And then the last line is, you know, some of the people are kind of... It's some. It's something like, it's America's a strip club, either you're dancing or you're paying, something like that. Well, some you know, kind of, some people, you know, some people are throwing the money and the rest of us are just doing the dance. That's it. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, or, ha- or having to do the dance or something like that, uh, which I thought was great. Yeah, you know, I'm so it becomes... I'm not impressed with that. Well, I love it because it makes this film that is about kind of female empowerment and kind of, you know, and women who are oppressed. And that it's, it's also a film about grifters, which I like. You know, I mean, these women are grifters. Including uh, the title. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> you know. Uh, and it turns it into something else, you know. Mm. So... Um, yeah, they turn into a family of sorts. I mean, it, so when, when it becomes the four of them doing this constant grift on just these guys who they used to know, they invite out, they get them drunk, uh, and and steal their money um and and it starts off with the one girl at the bar with one of them mm. and then when the others arrive she goes oh here's my colleagues you know and then later it becomes here's my sisters mm. and that's not an accident no know? and then they have this family christmas together family thanksgiving where the mothers are there the kids are there yeah, yeah so so i think this is a very significant film at least even if only sociologically because you know it's it's not only a film about a female friendship or about women together surviving and making a family out of their friendships, you know, uh, in the face of all the problems caused by men. <laughs> but it stars, you know, an Asian American and, you know, a Latina. It's not like the usual kind of, you know... No, no. Uh, well, I mean, I think it's really, really striking and quite deliberate and notable that that, that core group of four... Yes. Is is a Puerto Rican, a white woman, an a, a Asian Chinese woman, East Asian, and black woman. Yeah, and that's the four of them. That's and the four I, of them. And the, and the two leads are, you know, the Gen, yeah. the the Jennifer Lopez and the Constance Wu. So you know, I think it's really unusual uh, to see that, uh, and most welcome, and it works incredibly well. You know, and kind of, I think certainly. Um, you know the 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 audience at Cineworld uh, this evening 
made up of mostly you know white British women responded to it. I don't it. think that's the case. I was going to say they were women, but I think I think actually struck me that it was um, a lot of women of color there. Ah, okay. That's what struck me. I mean, I wasn't taking a census, but <laughs> I didn't. Th- I didn't take a census, and there were a lot of uh, women of color there, but I didn't think it was like predominantly so. I don't know. Certainly, so. certainly, the group that sat next to us, which was sort of eight or nine yeah. women, were. Um, I don't think there was a white woman amongst them, but you know, I'm not trying to sound like a, a BNP here. I'm just <laughs> that's kind of, but that, that did kind of strike me, and then I think that's that. I, I didn't know anything about the film before I came in. I don't think I'd seen an advert for it even. No, um, I, so I, was I haven't see, either. I was happy to see whatever it was, but you know, if that must have been a draw, yeah. you know, it sort of suggests that it was. Yes. Um, well, that's because of what you know. Constance Wu did that rich Asian film, Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, Crazy Rich Asian. So. Um, and also Jennifer Lopez is just massive. Yes, and I think beloved so. and. Yes, though you know she hasn't had a hit in twelve years, so. No, but she's still an icon, though. Yeah, she is. You know, you know um, that's power. Yes, <laughs> you know that's interesting, really. Um, so, and I enjoyed it very much, and I think it's it's kind of, I'm very interested in those dynamics because it is a film that is very sexual, really, and you're told, you know, you you're you're told the hustle, right? What is it? The hustle is watch the clock, not the cock. <laughs> you know, and even as you're shown women kind of, you know, moving on the guys, right? But actually, the the sex is never shown as prurient. It's almost shown as matter of fact. This is the, you know, this is what these women have got to do to kind of make the money, right? So yeah, certainly at the start as well, when it's when it's pre-crash, um, and it's the strip club uh, operating uh, in the kind of the boom mm. period, um, it's it's kind of it's kind of backroom politics and uh, not politics, but um, but it's a place of work, you know. Yes. So. Well, actually, they, there's a line there, you know, kind of, you'll marry this guy, and then, you know, and then he'll see that you're working six nights a week, and, you know, the, the bloom will Yeah, that's right. Everyone wants to date a stripper. Yeah. And then they find out, actually, it's not what it's cracked up to Yeah, be. that you're working six days a week. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, but I was going to pick up also on what you said about it being very sexual. Yeah. Because it, it shows a lot of nudity and... Uh, and, uh, and sexual imagery, and obviously you see a lot of stripping and stuff. But it's there, there is a real divorce between like these women don't uh, have sex in their lives. Yes, right. Yes. I, mean, I remember when you you said about uh, American Animals, that heist film about the young lads who want to steal mm. that book. Yes, uh, with all the the Audubon book. Um, but you know, it's it's unbelievable that these guys aren't interested in sex. Well, yes. these women aren't either. And um, and and in, indeed, in that opening uh, opening act, when they're talking about. Uh, how men want to date a stripper and stuff. You have the one woman saying, "I haven't had sex in two years." You know. Well, but actually, that's true. But that's just one because you know that's a whole range of examples that you're given. So one woman hasn't had sex in two years. You know, the other one, you know, has a boyfriend who's jealous. You know, the other one has a boyfriend who's going to jail. So actually, you know, these women have personal lives and they have sex lives. But the sex that you're seeing in the club is of a different order and fulfills a different purpose. It's, it, yeah, exactly. So that's completely transactional. Mm. And, um, and, well, I suppose later on, not so much transactional as... as uh, criminal. <laughs> yeah, criminal sort of, sort of or, or, or useful, you know. These women use sex. I mean, it's a very interesting thing because if the tables were turned, it would be like creepiness of the highest order. I don't think any way of filming... You know, or I can't imagine a way of filming, you know, that that wouldn't just, you know, completely put the audiences backs up and as in a group of men 
yeah. taking money off women through sex. Yeah, yeah. but through 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 that kind of thing. Well, through know, deceitful criminal means. And no, through the particular thing of drugging them into unconsciousness. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, so much date rape happens that way, right? It's creepy beyond mm. belief, right? So it's interesting that kind of, you know, when it's done kind of slightly in reverse, though of course here the objective is the money, not the, you know, not the sex. Yeah. Um, you know, though it's still, it's still a kind of, a, you know, I suppose it's a sexual violation, but it's not really sexual violence, I suppose. Uh, I'm not sure. But anyway, it's very interesting how, you know, uh, the film makes it seem matter-of-fact and fun and something that isn't, like, mm. so horrific as to be unfilmable, whereas, like, the opposite would not be, would be more difficult. Yeah, you are on the women's side. Yes. When, you know, throughout when they're doing that. And... And you're not even, it's not like you're given a vast amount of information on these guys to make them seem like criminals. You're given this thing about how there are three levels of Wall Street guys. Yeah. There's the guys at the bottom who are kind of pathetic and will do anything. You've got the guys in the middle, and the guys at the top are the ones who don't even come through the main entrance. They come in through the back entrance, they go straight to the private room, and once they've spent $15,000, they leave, and it gets really dark. Yeah, they what tell they you do. that those guys do anything, and yeah. including, you know commit violence against the women and so on they just get away with everything yeah. you know because they're powerful um, so, is, so there is a sense that you know some of these guys are, are kind of really deserving what they're getting and there's a sense of overall that they these guys deserve what they're getting because of being on Wall Street and what Wall Street does mm. um, but you know by the, by the point you're getting because it's later in the film these guys are these women's regulars you know mm. so so I think the word fleece is is kind of, it's a really apt one because like they shear the sheep mm. you know they shear the sheep every year and then what happens when they go too far is they kill it and yeah. they can't shear it again yeah um but you know so they they have relationships with these guys but there's ne- there's not there's not even close to an emotional relationship nothing like that they are purely contacts in the phone book yeah to be called up when That's they need right. money out of them and then the film shows you Kind of goes into darker and darker areas because, you know, then there's this man who's got an autistic child who, you know, they have really fleeced and, you know, uh, uh, he's gotten fired as a result because what they fleeced was his corporate card and, you know, he's lost his house and blah, blah, yeah. So, yeah. so the film doesn't completely absolve them. No, no. Know. Well, this is when the group breakup happens too. That's because Destiny yeah. has this pang of conscience about it. So the um, managing of that tone... It's very interesting because, you know, you are with them pretty much all the way. Mm. And then you realize, yes, they've gone too far, but you're still sympathetic with them, I think. Yeah. Um, but uh, this is where I said we were looking at the film just on Wikipedia before we started. And I noticed it was um, produced amongst the producers, uh, of, of which there are many, is Adam McKay, mm. who made um, The Big Short. And, and I said, oh, of course, it would be produced by Adam McKay. And I think what I was responding to there was this sense of, pulling back from making the boldest statement that you could, which I think is something that we both thought about the big short, where, mm. where it was like, you're going to show all this horrible stuff happening, show all these people being awful and ruining the country, ruining people's lives, and then you have the crocodile tears mm. that say, you know, Brad Pitt's bit in the film, he says, you know, these, these people's lives are being ruined, and he kind of spells it out for the audience. that there's this, And you also have the... Um, Steve Carell character at the end, mm. sort of upset, and he's a kind of he's a kind of good guy crusader, and he's upset at the end when when this all goes bad, and I think there there is a sense of that here with this pang of conscience, with this well, with this, with this framing device of 
kind of coming clean to an extent. I agree up to a point. I think the the relationship, and I don't want to make too much of this connection with Adam McKay, because, you know, I think there are like 10 executive producers. Mm. So, you know, it feels forced to me to like, you know, bring out uh, Mackay and not Will Farrell or other people, you know. So, uh, but, but, you know, just to finish that point, it seems to me that, you know, one of the big, one of the similarities is that they both have a state of the nation element about them, both mm. films. This one is much less intellectualized and much less a systematic exposition of a case. And actually, it's much warmer, right? It's much more about people and their relationships, yeah. uh, you know, and, and also much more glamorous. Like, you know, in some ways, it kind of fulfills a kind of an idea of, you know, the movies, right? And what the movies should do and they should look like and move and, you know, the kind of... Uh, uh, they have It has the audience in mind in a way that Mackay's films actually don't, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that's that's true. And it kind of wants you on side. I mean, the thing... I mean, The Big Short was a really striking movie and I really like it. I, yeah, I really part. like it. And I, think, and I think the way it treats its audience is interesting and it's not like it's not hostile it has this really interesting thing going on of but of it, the explanation it is like writing an essay it is yeah you know absolutely. so which is one of the things that made that film interesting but well it's, but it's not operating on a on an emotional level no um it is this sort of it is it is a clever exercise yes um, um yeah so and and this um you know it's kind of it's 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 a very interesting film because it also it is all about appearances, yeah. Kind of these women, they have to look in a certain way, and they move in a certain way, and they talk about it as investing in themselves, mm. right? Uh, and I think the film is a very interesting kind of, you know, if it is an allegory for America at the moment, which I think it explicitly tries to to mm. make it so, you know, kind of what it's saying maybe deserves to be unpicked a little bit. Right, because you know, so so these women become kind of corporate in the you know the way that they organize themselves and their and their their hustles and so on, right? Um, and they talk, you know, their importance is shopping, right? You know, and what they wear, how they look, what their tits are like, you know, kind of what image they're going to present, right? Uh, and you know that's an invest. Yeah, that's investing in in themselves, right? So you know, kind of their product is themselves, right? It's kind mm. of, and actually, it's what their image signifies to these men, right? Mm. You know, so 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 there's a very interesting thing because you know they're not producing anything, they're not building anything. I mean, they're certainly kind of nurturing, and they uh, many of them have children, and they've got families to support, or you know, kind of mm. you see that they're part of structures. Right, but kind of the whole grift revolves purely around appearances, what what images signify, and how images might appeal to other. In a culture of celebrity, there's you know there's very much uh, an interpolation uh, uh, of reality television as personified by Kim Kardashian. Right, there's a whole little montage mm. of you know her moment and what she represents in kind of. America, you know, at the moment that the Kardashian television series appeared, yeah. Yeah, which was again in that pre-crash, it's a feeling of everything going well, yeah, money being flowing, and there's that there's that scene with um, Usher, 
Yes. Usher comes into the club. Yes. And all the girls rush out to see him. And they all get on stage together. I suppose just one of them dancing. They all get on stage together. And they're touching each other and dancing. Or Christ knows what. For him. Yes. He's a celebrity. He's the star. Yes. And uh, didn't he have some song also about money? And dancing, I'm sure he did. Um, um, I, I, uh, it's been a while since I've uh, heard from Usher, to be honest. So I'll have a look. Um, I mean, to be fair, well, he's uh, an icon of that period as well, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, no, so. yeah. No, so, but I, but I, uh, I only, I think I only knew his biggest hits. Hold on, so that. Mind you, half of the songs of that period, or half of the hits of that period, were about you know throwing money in the club. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, 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 um, I don't want that. <laughs> um, I can't even remember which Usher song I've heard before. Okay, wait a second. Let me look this up. Love in this club. But I don't know these songs, actually. I mean, I do know them, but I now can't. Mm. Yeah. They're all um, the letter U in them instead of the word U. That's what I remember about Usher. Anyway, he's got a lot of songs about, you know, clubbing and money. So... Um, No, I do. I love that song, but... Uh... No, no, I do. No. Maybe I've never heard an Usher song. I know it. Okay, so... My memory's not as bad as it looks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm sure I think I'm thinking of um, Nelly you know with the uh, pasta right I can't remember what his song was either but I definitely <laughs> heard it <laughs> anyway I think we need to wrap this up so I liked it very much and I really think it's going to be a zeitgeist film um, and uh, you know it'll be interesting to see if it becomes one or not um, you know I think it's kind of wonderful to see a film like this directed by a woman and you know, with kind of this interracial cast, with a huge star like Jennifer Lopez, you know, and kind of translating it, you know, into, uh, or, or being addressed, I think, at a particular audience, which I think is mainly like a female audience, really. Um, though I think a lot of, you know, men will be enticed by, you know, kind of Jennifer Lopez appears like practically naked throughout like the, I mean, they're well, the, the skimpiest the costumes. Jesus Christ. Well, <laughs> yeah. that's why I was saying I think that, that opening dance doesn't, you know, has that male perspective because Christ, she looks amazing. She looks amazing. But actually, I do still think, you know, that what the film, what, you know, what the camera's focusing on or anything, you know, there's no lewd shots. I think it really is filmed with a female audience in mind, right? It's, like, it's not lewd, that's for sure. Yeah. But uh, I mean, you know, well, it worked on me. What can I tell you? Well, you know, she looks she looks absolutely fantastic, right? Uh, so, 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 you know. But I did also think I think the reason I bring that up is because I think that is an exception to the rest of the way the the, the rest of yeah the rest of the way the film uses its camera. Yes, yeah, that that it, that stands out actually in, in the rest of the the stripping scenes as well. You know, it stands out amongst those. Yes, um, but you 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 know the women are almost. You know, they're almost all dressed. Like, you could imagine a man filming it. And actually, the bodies will be all different. Like, you know, in this film, you have, like, 
kind of really fat girls and you know and so on and kind of you know much is made of the fake boobs and they all touch it it's, it's like done in a really playful kind of way amongst women and i yeah. think you can really tell um and in a good way yeah that kind of you know so it's a very sexual environment uh but um the film is kind of focusing on the result of that uh or the effects of that sexual environment rather than you know on the exploitative sexual yeah. uh, uh, situations themselves. I think it's also, that's an, a, a kind of good way of, because I think it also is looking at the results, if you like, of um, America's sort of predatory financial system. So, you know, it like the, the, why Wall Street is like this, what men are like, is not analysed. Mm. It's what these women are going to do with the situation they're in yes. that is the focus. Yes, yes. You know, it's not, so like they, there is this kind of vague thing of, uh, fuck these guys because of what they did, but that's it as 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 far as um sort of analyzing, uh you know sort of reasons of how America got here. Mm. Um, yeah, well the film is yeah. not it's not it's not about that. It's not about that. Um, though 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 I think it is. It, it is yeah. <laughs> it, well, I think I think it fits in into the, the, there's a kind of I think what you said about them being state of the nation movies is that's a good name yes. for them. There there is so there are things like the big shorts. The Wolf of Wall Street, Ninety Nine Homes, Margin Call, uh, Killing Them Softly, films which are about modern America and have this focus on the way that people live now and mm. the way that the systems make them live now and the way the systems work. And this fits in with them. It's it's another perspective on yes. That yeah. I would add the Place Beyond the Pines, um, you know, and and many other films really. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, so, yeah. So, but yes, so so. You know, I think it, it is a state of the nation kind of film uh, from a female perspective, you know, and I think with a female address as well, if one can say that. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it. It's also very glamorous and quite fun. Really good. Really funny. Yeah. Well, loads of good jokes. And, you know, I love that. Mm. I, love, I love jokes. It is. Um, so, so we both recommend uh, that you see it. I think it'll be a big, big hit, actually. So we'll see. Um, Shall I say which one he's made? I think it's just come out, hasn't it? Well, so yeah, that doesn't that doesn't mean we can't. Thirty-three point two million dollar weekend in America. Okay. It's a, the Vanity Fair article is called How Hustlers Danced Away with America's Heart. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Forbes, um, Hustlers scored the biggest debut ever for a movie starring women of colour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's worldwide, according to Box Office Mojo, worldwide is 40 million so far, and that's on opening weekend. Yeah, I can imagine this film kind of easily going over the, the 100 million barrier, mm. you know, which, uh, you know, I think, I think it's... What was the budget? It feels like... $20 million. Tw- I mean, you know, so... Uh, I mean, that used to be Jennifer Lopez's salary. <laughs> you know, so... She's a producer, to be fair. So, yeah, she's so... Bank. So, it's... It's... it's For a Hollywood film with a, with, with a big star, it's it's a relatively modest uh, mm. budget. I It's already made its money back in the first weekend, right? And I think it'll do uh, incredibly... Uh, much better than that. And I don't usually like, you know, one shouldn't really be interested in the box office of a film, except that I think in this case, it's relevant because I do, I do think it's one of those films 
that might in some way define or be uh, constantly uh, associated with the time in which it came out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there are some films that are not necessarily masterpieces, but, you know, if, if you think, you know, of uh, the late 50s, early 60s, you know, in American cinema, you might think of like the Rock Hudson kind of Doris Day comedies, right? Or, you know, there are films that kind of, you know, had enormous success and are somehow associated with that era. Mm. And I wonder if this film is not going to become one of those. I think that's probably a good um, sort of, uh, that's probably part of what makes it a state of the nation film. Yes. You know, it's a film about its time yes. and reflective of its time. Yes. You know, and that's what all those films are. Yes, and, and actively commenting on it. Yeah, exactly. Because other, some other films are saying stuff about it without necessarily actively comment. They're not saying, you know, this is the society that we live in, this is what's wrong with it, and so on. Mm. Whereas actually this film does, yeah, you know, yeah. so... Absolutely. Um, right It's great. And on that note, <laughs> yeah. we are eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on... iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Listen to us. Uh, on... Social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter, and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Right, thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.